Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the seventh day of November 2022. Oh, baby, we're on the cusp of it. Can you smell it? Actually, it's early in the weekend for me right now. I'm doing this early to get it out of the way, but it is really just right around the corner, isn't it? The glory of Election Day is upon us. Vote early, vote often. Vote as many times as any of those SOBs will let you. Make sure you bring a friend with you to the polling place. Bring an enemy with you if you have to. Lock them in the car if they're going to vote for Democrats. But still, treat them like a dog on a hot summer day. Pretend you're an absent-minded a-hole. Anyway, I'm Derek Hunter. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Hope you enjoyed the week in effing review. You can get it, uh, well, it came to you wherever you were. Don't listen to it if you don't like swearing. But uh, to get it every week and all sorts of bonus material, including opportunities to win autographed books, go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. It's just that easy. All right. We'll uh, try to keep this one short because I imagine we'll go long tomorrow and really, who knows? Uh, play it by ear. Anyway, let's get started with the show. All sorts of stuff going on as we get ready for the uh, the coming election. It all boils down to this. And, you know, there's uh, polling everywhere. There's going to be more poll. Just pay attention to what's going on because there won't be a whole lot of truth out there. We're now entering the final frenzied BS stage of an election. And what does that mean? Well, it's pretty pretty simple that you have a panicked party and probably a, uh, a far too confident party. I, I don't like Republicans when they are uh, overly confident. I just, I don't, like that, I prefer my Republican Party to be a little more cautious, a little more concerned. So we shall see. We'll know, you know, in a couple of days, or as Joe Biden says, we'll know as soon as the Democrats are able to manufacture enough votes to do it. But know that the information coming out, especially from our media friends, frenemies, enemies, really, just let's be with there. The leftists is not going to be accurate. There's a new group of Marist college polls that are giving Democrats hope. Now, take them seriously, but also don't panic. That's what I want to convey here. Take them seriously, but don't panic. Because they show Democrats doing really well, winning in Pennsylvania by quite a bit, winning in New Hampshire, winning in everywhere, really almost, tied in Georgia, for example. And you sit there and you go, whoa, what what happened? Have I been lied to? Well, first of all, anybody who tells you they know what they're, what's going to happen in the future is, in fact, lying to you. They, they are. They don't know. If they did know, the Powerball wouldn't be like approaching $2 billion or whatever. If, if they could predict the future with any accuracy, they would not be, uh, they'd be multiple lottery winners sipping on a beach, sipping really expensive wine on a beach. Instead, 
that's not the case. Now, these Marist polls, what do they have? They have Fetterman up six in Pennsylvania. They have uh, Mark Kelly up over Blake Masters by four in Arizona. And they have Raphael Warnock beating Herschel Walker by four in Georgia. And you sit there and you go, whoa, that's a huge, huge shift. And take a look at the numbers. This is what I mean by the garbage that's going to be coming your way in the last 24 hours, 48 hours. Whatever. They're registered voter polls. <clears throat> They're registered voter polls. A registered voter poll is worthless. It's like walking up randomly to 50 people in a mall, asking them questions and saying, well, this is an accurate reflection of what America says. This is an accurate reflection of what America believes. And you sit there and you go, at this point in the campaign, who in the hell is doing registered voter polls? Everybody knows that the closest way you can get to wherever a uh, sentiment of the voters are is likely voters. You know whether. It's like if somebody voted in the last five presidential elections, you can be pretty sure that they're going to vote in this one. If somebody was registered, but they just, nah, they haven't voted since 2012, the odds of them voting are pretty slim. You can get into the habit. You get in the habit of voting, you can get out of the habit of voting and into the habit of not voting. That's just how it works. It's human nature. So you should, if you want to get a more accurate vision of what might happen at the polls, and that's all polls are, you should weed out the people who don't really vote, who aren't necessarily going to vote, who, you know, whatever, gee, aw, shucks, we don't know, and uh, I don't know, I might vote, I haven't really thought about it. Get rid of those people. They may show up, they're still free to, but the odds of them showing up in mass to be st uh, statistically important is well, statistically insignificant. Yet that's what Marist College put out. Why? Why would you do that? Well, because those polls most heavily favor Democrats. At this point, it isn't about... Look, the polling industry has been so damaged since 2016, actually beforehand, because uh, they'd gotten a lot of things wrong in the 2012 election. For one, you, People seem to forget it was polling going bad in the other direction. In 2012, the Romney campaign held out hope against hope in the uh, on election day that Ohio was going to go their way. All of their polling data, including exit polling data, said, no, 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 we can't. What's going on in Ohio? You, you wait. There's going to be a big crush and surge for Mitt Romney, and you see, and then you'll see that things will change across the country. It never happened, but they were saying that. They were shocked by the results in Ohio. Actually, in 2004, Democrats were shocked by the results in Ohio. If you remember, speaking of election denialism, the John Kerry campaign insisted that Ohio had been stolen, right? Well, remember all the, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember that, if you were on Facebook in 2004 and you had liberal friends, this was before liberals uh, were incapable of being friends with anybody who slightly even moderately disagrees with them and you had liberal friends what did you see in 2004 you saw a whole bunch of quickly hashed together pseudo documentaries and reports which youtube didn't take down by the way curiously about debolt voting machines and how they can be hacked 
how they can be hacked. Now, it's kind of funny because Democrats have almost always gotten their way when it comes to voting. You want to talk about some group of people who actually does rig the system in their own direction, and then people look at them and learn about them and they they reject them. 2000, it was, oh my God, the butterfly ballot, paper ballots, pregnant chads, little errant marks, whatever. What we really need to do is turn towards a system of electronic voting. Democrats insisted on electronic voting in 2000 while denying the election results of 2000. Never forget, never forget. So then in 2004, they'd gotten their way, by and large, in large uh, in, the, in the states that they wanted their way, like Ohio. They, well, Republicans will cheat in Ohio, so we'll get uh, electronic voting machines, and there'll be no more pregnant chads or errant marks, and we don't have to worry about voter intent. Well, it'll be clear because it'll be a touchscreen ballot. And then they lost when they expected to win. Their exit polls for the Kerry campaign said that they were going to do very, very well. Teresa Hines Kerry, I believe, had personally threatened to have dinner with everybody in the state of Ohio if they didn't vote for her husband, which they thought was a, a winning strategy, threatening people. But just making a joke about how awful of a person she is. But uh, they didn't win. And then what happened? They didn't go, well, uh, oh, shucks, I guess we shouldn't have been such out-of-touch liberals. How can a guy who's uh, never really worked a real job in his life, born into a wealthy family, and married into an even wealthier family, how can that guy not be in touch with the average blue-collar worker in America? It must be the voting machines that were rigged, that were hacked. And we saw all these little makeshift documentaries of people walking up. And I love these things. They said, here's a, a Debolt voting machine. Now, they were different than they are now. They were new, much like uh, computers were in the 50s and 60s. They were giant. The voting machines then were kind of clunky. They've gotten much better since then. I still prefer a paper ballot, but they've gotten much better now. They're much smaller now. We have the iPad. We didn't have the iPad in 2004. And what did they show in these documentaries and these, even these news reports? Because there were a lot of news reports about how easily it is that they can, what they've demanded be, because Democrats demanded them, can be hacked and a threat to democracy. See, I remember this. And what do they do? They pull out like a laptop and they pulled out some wires and they plugged into the thing. And it's, if anybody did this, like I'm going in secretly to vote and then they go in there and they pull out their laptop and they got a giant antenna so they can get on the uh, internet and they're sitting there with their own laptop plugging into the voting. I'm pretty sure somebody would notice that. I'm pretty sure somebody would notice that. But Democrats couldn't accept that the people of Ohio simply weren't interested in what it was that John Kerry was selling. Whereas the rest of America simply couldn't accept that this is what the Democrats offer us. It's like putting a dead skunk on your Thanksgiving plate going, well, that's it. You know, that's all you're worth. Okay, well, I'm not going to eat it then. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be fine. I'm not going to eat that. So the Democrats have been involved in this uh, election denialism a long time. And to change the narrative, to increase ignorance, and in the hopes of somehow inspiring 
their otherwise uninspired base, they're coming out with things like these push polls, coming out with things like, oh my goodness, look at this. Democrats are running away with it. Well, that's a likely, or that's a registered voter poll. Doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't matter. No, they don't go into the details. I guarantee you MSNBC will be touting these numbers right up until the last ballot is cast, which could be, you know, next Friday. They get their way. Because it fools people into thinking, well, we have momentum now. Finally, the shift has come back to us. Finally, the American people are waking up. Fascism is being rejected across the country. Meanwhile, what numbers you won't hear about are the latest unemployment numbers. Only 261,000 jobs created last month, which was lower than expectations, lower than hopes. Democrats were hoping that these numbers would be wildly impressive, and they were not. The actual unemployment rate went up from 3.5% to 3.7%. That's going in the wrong direction. Now, we could talk all day about how the numbers are stupid and cooked and more people are coming off of the, uh, are are, uh, looking for work now, people who are re-entering the workforce. I'm sure there's all sorts of explanations. But Democrats never give Republicans the benefit of the doubt. They should never be given the benefit of the doubt on anything. The unemployment rate ticked up. Joe Biden was saying just last month, that the unemployment rate was going in the right direction. And therefore, that is the justification for voting for Democrats. Vote for Democrats. Look at the unemployment rate is going down. Okay, now the unemployment rate is going up. All economic indicators are looking worse and worse and worse. So that means you should vote against Democrats, does it not? I understand and believe me, I wish you could sit here and say vote for Republicans. I do want you to vote for Republicans, and there are plenty of reasons to vote for Republicans. But when you look at Democrats, it's a better there's a better case to an easier case to be made to vote against Democrats right now. You'd have to explain things when it comes to voting for Republicans. You'd have to really get into the weeds about how awful Democrat policies are and what Republicans would do. And if you've ever worked on a campaign, if you've ever knocked on doors, you understand. You open that door and you're there stumping for a Republican and a committed Democrat opens up the door, especially the weekend before the election. You just wish them a happy weekend and go about your business. You're not going to convince them. As a, You're younger and you go, oh, I've got a lot of energy. And if I just talk to these people, they will be smart enough to... No, they won't. They won't. It won't happen. Move on. Just like if you are out there and you are... Um, coming across undecided voters at this point in the election. And there are still a lot of undecided voters. You give them the quick spiel and then you move on. At this point in an election, it is about turning out your voters. The convincing is done. All the con- most of well, people will still come to their decisions. And if you remember 2000 right before the election, the weekend, probably about this time. 
before the 2000 presidential election. That's when the Democrats unleashed the George W. Bush had a DUI. Remember that one? That was their big October surprise. George W. Bush uh, was once arrested for drunk driving. No, he was cited, I think, for drunk driving. It was the 70s. It was a different time. Still not good, but it was a different time. And it doesn't have this massive criminal record of drunk driving, but that's when they put it out there. That's why uh, there's a lot of belief that that's part of the reason why George W. Bush didn't win the um, popular vote, was that damaged him in the eyes of a lot of people. It's true. could be possible. Who knows? But right at this point, it's almost too late for an October surprise, mostly because it's November. And it's about getting the people who are going to vote your way to vote. And that's what these polls are about. Look, it's going well. Things are changed. Momentum has shifted based on a likely or a registered voter poll that uh, is probably an outlier, oversamples Democrats, etc., etc., and also incorporates a bit of a push element. They're going to pull out all the stops. All I can tell you is don't let anything stop you from getting to the polls and dragging people with you. Put them in a headlock. If they're going to vote Republican, put them in a headlock, throw them in your car, drag them to the polls. If they're going to vote for Democrats, put them in a headlock, throw them in your trunk, and don't let them out till Wednesday. Just kidding, mostly. Now let's uh, shift to our president, Joe Biden. He's... These two clips are short, but they are um, the poor bastard. Just the poor bastard. He doesn't seem to understand what's going on around him, and he also doesn't seem to have any recollection whatsoever of the Trump years. I get it. Democrats have these, it's, we are the, uh, it's different when we do it mentality. It's not a, we're, we're corrupt for all the right reasons. Therefore, it's not really corrupt. The Biden family gets rich and uh, from foreign governments, and they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because it's the right policy. It just, the richness happens to be a byproduct of it. Don't ever believe it. People who do horrible things convince themselves every single day that they're doing them for altruistic reasons. They really do. But uh, that's just so they can sleep at night. They're doing horrible things. That's the thing you focus on. And Joe Biden is out there campaigning. He's campaigning where it doesn't matter, where he can do the least damage, but he can still say he played a role in the election. And he's talking about how Republicans are going to impeach him. Watch out. Republicans are going to impeach him. That's why you should like that's he's making an argument for why you should vote for Republicans. You get this clown impeached. But that's beside the point. He doesn't understand how anybody could want to want anything to do with removing him from office, it seems. From the pre- I'm, I'm already being told if they win back the House and Senate, they're going to impeach me. I don't know what the hell they're impeaching me for. No, I, I, no, I'm not joking. And then, and then, then, and then, re- no, no. And then recently, they said we should stop talking about that till we win. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're. What would they possibly impeach me for? What would they do? Well, okay. Well, yeah. First of all, Democrats lowered the bar to the point that if you just don't like a president, you can impeach him. That's that was the Vindman 
standard for impeachment in Ukraine with Donald Trump. So you had, oh, it's a quid pro quo, quid pro quo. What do you mean quid pro quo? Well, he said that he wouldn't release this aid unless he looked into Joe Biden. Yeah, but he didn't look into Joe Biden. He released the aid like the next day. It wasn't wasn't even an issue. Didn't have one. Didn't have any. You can't have a quid pro quo while the pro quo happens before the quid, right? You can't do that. Well, that's beside the point. He wanted to do it. Okay. Well, then Joe Biden threatened Saudi Arabia unless they kept quiet the fact that they weren't going to acquiesce to his demands that they up oil production until after the election. He was threatening aid to Saudi Arabia unless Saudi Arabia kept their damn mouth shut about their rejection of his begging for more oil. That sounds like a quid pro quo. That sounds like threatening an ally, does it not? Out of that, the general sense of incompetence that he was on that was on display there that helped push Saudi Arabia closer to Vladimir Putin, closer to Russia. And you begin to see a problem. But that's just incompetence. It's wild incompetence. But it's the quid pro quo. Democrats are the ones who made the quid pro quo a, an impeachable offense. But if you don't like that, you can always just go back to this simple fact of the matter that the President of the United States, whose really sole duty is to enforce the laws of the United States of America, is not, in fact, enforcing the laws of the United States of America as evidenced by the millions upon millions of illegal aliens pouring across the southern border. And they're being welcomed by him. They are being encouraged by him. Forget the callous indifference to the number of fentanyl overdose deaths that now annually exceed the entirety of U.S. troops killed in Vietnam, thanks to Joe Biden's open border policies, thanks to fentanyl. All of that, forget that. The simple fact of the matter is we are supposed to have a border. There is a process for dealing with people. There is laws on the books. There are laws on the books. Dealing with what? Dealing with asylum seekers. There are international laws. There are American laws. And the first and foremost one is asylum seekers must seek refuge in the first safe country they come from. Nobody wants you to stay in a country where your your life is being threatened, your family are going to be killed. Get out of there. We agree. The world has made special arrangements to accept people who are genuinely in that situation. And first and foremost among them is get to the first nearest safe house you can. The first safe country you can. And that's what? That is your neighboring country, probably. If they're going to kill you in your country, get out of your country. All right. If the neighboring country says, we're going to kill you too, then you go to the next country. If at a certain point, an entire string of six, seven, eight countries is like, we're going to kill you. Maybe you're the problem. No, I'm mostly joking. But at some point, you will have come across a safe harbor. You didn't avail yourself of it in direct violation of United States and international law on asylum seekers, on refugees. And therefore, the United States is under no obligation to let you in after you marched through seven, eight, nine countries to get here. 
You are no longer seeking refuge from someone trying to do you and your family harm. You want to come to the United States. And I'm sorry, your long-held desire to come to the United States to better yourself, while understandable, is also irrelevant in the eyes of the law. And you have to go, oh, Derek, that's so callous. Yeah, so what? That's, that's how you want the law applied. That's how you want the law applied. If the law is applied with emotion ruling the day, then what do you get? You get a whole bunch of perverted rulings that you don't want to be subjected to. You get a whole bunch of you know, people who did bad things on January 6th but have been held in solitary confinement for going on two years. Like, okay, the, look, the, nobody's saying that smashing that door in and throwing the thing at the cop was a good idea, but two years of solitary confinement without ever having been convicted of anything seems like a pretty severe punishment straight out of the Soviet gulag system. Right? Doesn't it? But Joe can't imagine what he might have done that would cause anybody to want to impeach him. What grounds would it be? Well, your job is to enforce the laws of the United States of America. You are overseeing and gleefully cheering along the imprisonment of innocent people. Okay, fine. Democrats don't care about that. But you are also welcoming in millions of people in clear violation of our nation's sovereignty, which you are sworn to protect, and in direct contradiction to our nation's laws, which you are sworn to uphold. That is an impeachable... If that isn't an impeachable offense, then what is? If you get Democrats on record saying, well, the president is under no obligation to do that. Okay, the president doesn't have prosecutorial discretion. He's not a prosecutor. He is a law enforcement official. Police don't get to choose. The president shouldn't get to choose. You want to change the law, change the law. But that's fine. If you want to accept Democrats and create this precedent that Republicans can simply enforce the laws they like and ignore the laws they do not like, along with Barack Obama's ability to use a magic pen to create new laws you want and can't get through Congress, then what would happen when the next Republican president says, you know what? That death tax thing is wildly immoral. I understand Congress isn't going to repeal it, but uh, I have instructed the IRS to ignore it. Let's just ignore it. It's what Joe Biden is essentially doing with the student loan, quote-unquote, forgiveness. So Democrats are already cool with the concept, right? No, Democrats are cool with the concept as long as they're the ones wielding it. It's getting them what they want. They're not actually cool with the concept. They're cool with the very specifics that give them what they want, the people who scream this is what democracy look like looks like are the people least interested in any way shape or form in democracy or in democratic processes remember that remember that when you go to vote this is who they are well what if uh the president of the united states is a big fan of the second amendment there are federal restrictions on firearms in there but the president of the united states says eh, we're not going to enforce those. The Second Amendment, uh, you know, overrides that. I believe that this law is unconstitutional, and therefore we are going to ignore it. How quickly would the left-wing groups be filing lawsuits? 
how quickly would it be till Lester Holt and David Muir and Nora O'Donnell stroke out on live television like scanners screaming about the outrage that the president has engaged in in the clear abuse of power and start calling for his heads. Editorial boards across the country would demand that he be impeached. How is that any different than from what Joe Biden is doing? Well, the only difference between that and what Joe Biden is doing is very simple, very plain. What Joe Biden is doing is what Democrats want. What a Republican president would do is not what Democrats would want. One is not impeachable. It's perfectly fine. The other is impeachable. Remember that when you go to vote. That's really what's at stake as all these weenies whine about, oh, democracy, a very democracy is at stake. They don't understand the word. Well, they do understand the word. They're hoping you don't. So uh, we've got the president of the United States saying he doesn't understand how anybody would impeach him. And he also, there's a lot Joe Biden doesn't understand, ladies and gentlemen. There's an awful lot that Joe Biden doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that he was not a college professor, for example. Now, this is one of those things where you're sitting there and you don't, you don't have to explain to me how I've not been a college professor, all right? I am acutely aware of how I have not been a college professor. I've had a lot of jobs in my life, including working on a college campus when I was in college because I was on a work-study program with financial aid. I worked in the education graduate offices, the graduate offices of the education department, uh, stole a ton of champ- the, sh- the champagne in the fridge there. The fridge across the hall that we had access to was just stocked with, it was cheap, like champagne, like $4, $5 a bottle. But I was broke. And uh, so I, I stole probably, I don't know, 15 bottles of champagne. I was living, I was living like a rapper, not a, you know, didn't a chart top and rapper. It wasn't Cristal, but before I'd go out at night, uh, I'd have some champagne, <laughs> impress the ladies. Hey, would you like more Corbel Brut? It's uh, $5 a bottle. Would you, would you like to smell the cork or have me bounce the cork off the walls and maybe take your eye out? Huh? But I had that. I worked there for, uh, I don't know, probably a year in college, and I worked in the financial aid office, which was the awesome job. Um, then you got to see how screwed up the system was. Got to see how, but I know that I wasn't a professor. I know that I wasn't. I wasn't even a teacher's assistant. Joe Biden was never a real professor. Never. But he goes around and he can't shut up about how he was a professor at, in an Ivy League school. You're like, what in the hell are you talking about? Well, that's Joe Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, that's who he is. He makes this claim all the time, by the way, that he was a professor at, uh, at uh, Penn State. He wasn't. Listen to him make it yesterday. When I was vice president and when I was out of the office for four years when I was a professor and then now as president. 68 hours. Well, I was a professor when I was a professor. When I was, I'm sorry, University of Pennsylvania, not Penn State. When I was a professor, he was an honorary professor. He's an honorary professor, right? He was. <laughs> he was the where is it the uh, he was the Benjamin Franklin Presidential Practice Professor at the University of Pennsylvania, never having taught one single course. He never taught a course. 
He was paid more than a million dollars over the course of four years for never teaching a course. I believe he gave two talks, not to students, particularly for a class, but I think at general university. His name was also used in fundraising emails and uh, letters. So that was it. He was paid. It's like, look, we'll give you a million dollars to be able to use your name to raise money off of people who are dumb enough to think that you're an impressive person. <laughs> he, was, he was also named a senior fellow at the Andrea Mitchell Center for the Study of Democracy. Yes, that Andrea Mitchell. <laughs> Do you see how corrupt this whole system is there, Andrea Mitchell? But he was not a professor. He was not a real professor. Just like Barack Obama is constantly referred to as he was a law professor. He speaks in professorly tones. He's not a law professor. He was a guest lecturer for a semester. That's it. There's a huge difference between being a professor and being a guest lecturer for a semester. There just is. If you need it explained to you as to what that difference is, I can't help you. It's self-evident, I believe. But that is the truth. But the left loves propping up Barack Obama. Oh, he's so brilliant. He was a law professor. He's a constitutional law professor. No, he wasn't. Joe Biden was a college professor. No, he wasn't. He was not. They both, uh, Joe in particular, because Barack was uh, that before he became president. He didn't have a whole lot to sell at the time. But Joe was after trading on his position in government and made a million dollars plus off of it. Have you been paid a million dollars? Remember that next time your tuition goes up or your kid's tuition goes up. They likely have people... On staff, uh, not on staff, but on salary for the express purpose of being able to use their name in fundraising messages. Good God. I just, the whole thing makes me sick. But they're all whining about what? A threat to democracy, a threat to democracy. I want to play this clip. It's a little bit long, but it's in its entirety, it's worth noting because it's a level of paranoia and hypocrisy and just general stupidity that we're up against when you sit there and you think about going to vote. Go vote. This is Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes is typical. It's not just Chris Hayes, but Chris Hayes happens to be the easiest example right now at the moment, the most recent example, whining about how voting for Republicans is the problem. He says, one single-party rule is terrible. Single-party rule. Republicans want single-party rule. What if more people vote for Democrats and blah, 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 but single-party rule is a problem. He is speaking as though all the blue states out there don't exist. He's speaking as though Maryland doesn't exist. He's speaking as though California doesn't exist. Democrats, when they talk about gerrymandering, are not talking about gerrymandering that they do. They're talking about gerrymandering that Republicans do. And of course, Republicans engage in gerrymandering. But so do Democrats. Maryland's congressional districts is drawn up by Tommy Carcetti and the gang back in 2010 looked like somebody sneezed on a wet Rorschach test to get as many Republicans as possible out of office. They got rid of two of the three. They couldn't get rid of Andy Harris. They just couldn't. They tried, but they couldn't. They had to be content with getting rid of just two of the three Republicans so that everybody but Andy Harris was a Democrat. And not a single group that whines and complains about gerrymandering is... I've never seen Eric Holder, he has a group that does this, that fights gerrymandering. I've never seen them talk at all about Maryland because they're lying hypocritical. 
hypocrites. They're trying to in, uh, just make themselves powerful. They're, they're li- oh, it, it's in the name of democracy that they're promoting things that are undemocratic, things like that. Well, Chris Hayes whines about this and the dangers of one-party rule. This seems to be the only thing they've got left, is to try and scare the hell out of their own people to get them to the polls and hope that it works. A state in which Republicans never lose is a one-party state by definition. And that's a problem. And we see this everywhere, right? We see this in Cary Lake in Arizona. We see it Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, up and down the ballot, Secretary of State candidates, people running for Congress. And so the pitch from Democrats is basically, if you care about democracy, if you care about having this feedback mechanism in which the people you elect are accountable to them, to you, you've got no choice but to vote for us. And that on its face sounds almost anti-democratic itself to say you don't have a choice. But it also happens to be true. In Wisconsin, voters might go to the polls. And over 50% of them might vote for the Democrats. And Republicans could win a supermajority in both houses in that state. They might even elect Tony Evers as their governor. And that supermajority could override whatever Tony Evers says. That's what Michaels is getting at. Much of the Republican Party, the dominant faction within it, run by Donald Trump, the guy who tried the coup, the first ever in American history, that faction in that party is fundamentally opposed to democracy. It's plain as day. You could read it on the faces of the cops on the steps of the Capitol as they were getting their heads bashed in. That faction wants to wield the power of the state through a number of means to insulate themselves from free and fair elections and instate one-party rule, whether it's through gerrymandering or voter suppression or simply installing party loyalists in key positions who do things like don't certify elections that don't go their way. And so when Democrats say you don't have a choice this election, there's only one party that cares about for democracy, it's us, democracy's on the ballot. What they're really saying is, if you don't elect us this time, if you don't keep them out of power, you may never be able to elect us again, or in short, vote to preserve your right to throw the bums out. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a, you know, where Democrats even run the risk of sniffing losing, what do they do? They institute new changes. We need to get a nonpartisan primary. And then it's just the top two candidates. They do that. Well, in California, that's what they do. The top, it's a nonpartisan primary. The top two vote getters go against each other in the general election. Well, in most of the gerrymandered districts out there, those are two Democrats going against each other. Huh. In most state races, it's Democrats going at each other. In the Senate race, it was two Democrats going at each other how does that enfranchise republicans to even have an option to vote for it doesn't or they go let's uh we got a problem here people we don't like are winning what we're going to do is institute ranked choice voting now what is ranked choice voting it's stupid it's a way for the left to get a candidate elected um against the will of a plurality of the people you know normally like oh there's three people in the race whoever gets it's whoever gets the most votes wins and democrats go no 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 we're going to do what we're going to do is rank choice it's so much better it's way more democratic no it's well it's democratic in the sense that it's good for the democratic party but what they do is they say you vote for who you want first and then you say who's your second choice and who's your third choice? And then if there are three candidates and nobody gets 
That's the magic number, 50%. It's not ever been the magic number in this country's history, but you get to 50%. Then uh, if they don't get to 50%, then you take whoever got the lowest vote total and you take their votes and you throw them out. And you look at their voters, whoever voted for them first, and you see who their second choice is. And then you take their second choice vote and pretend that they voted for that person first. And this is way more democratic somehow. It's not. It's wildly stupid. It's convoluted. And it causes Democrats to win races they otherwise couldn't win because there are usually two Republicans running because Republicans are stupid when it comes to electoral politics. But spare me this whole democracy itself is on the ballot, Adolf. Sorry, just because you look like Rachel Maddow doesn't mean you can pull off the conspiracy theories like she does. That's uh, you know, shifting up just just really quickly as a side note. As you got you know Chris Hayes whining about people vote for Republicans, it's going to be the end of this that, and the other thing. Never forget that Democrats were key in picking a lot of these Republicans. What do I mean? Well, they spent. I think the total was at that we know of right now. There's a whole bunch of dark money and everything. They spent at least forty six million dollars. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And the Democratic Governors Association, they spent $46 million in Republican primaries trying to nominate and in some cases winning the nominations, helping win the nominations for people they have called and declared, these are people who are threats to democracy. Really? So why'd you support them? Well, we thought they'd be pretty easy to get Carrie Lake lady out there in Arizona. She's nuts. She's nuts. She's an election denier and she's nuts. And we can easily beat her. That won't be a problem because she's crazy, man. She's cashews. She's nuts. Oh, all right. Then it turns out that she's kicking the crap out of Katie Hobbs. Why? Because Katie Hobbs is an awful candidate. And Democrat ideas are garbage on top of it. So if Democrats are sitting there going, we need to nominate these Republicans... Uh, because we think they're a threat to democracy and therefore we will uh, go at them and uh, really uh, hammer them for being threats to democracy in the general election, making our candidates that much better. According to Democrats, just according to, not in reality, when you say according to Democrats, it very infrequently dovetails with reality. But according to Democrats, the belief is that these people that they help nominate our threats to democracy. Therefore, if you're really out there saying who is a threat to democracy, which party, it would be the Democrats. Now, they're full of crap, but it's just kind of fun to point out. It is enjoyable to point out. And they're like, oh, all these people, they're, oh, what are we going to do? They're a threat to democracy, a threat to democracy. It is um, sad, pathetic, really. I mean, they did that Dr. Oz. They thought Dr. Oz would be easy to beat. They thought for sure that Herschel Walker would be easy to beat. They thought that Carrie Lake would be easy to beat. They thought Tudor Dixon up in Michigan would be easy to beat. They thought that uh, Governor or General Bulldog up in New Hampshire would be easy to beat. And right now, Democrats are having to pour tens of millions of emergency dollars in the last minute into these races, trying to hold on to seats that... Nobody was talking about two weeks ago. Nobody's talking about the race in New Hampshire. Things might have been completely different if people were. Republicans might have poured some more money and attention into it, and they could have made it more competitive. I don't know how it's going to end up, but how hilarious would it be 
if this turned out to be a tortoise and hare kind of election. That Democrats took so many things for granted they thought they could just go out and nap. They thought they could get away with it. Tudor Dixon up in Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer is is a horrible person. Just a horrible person. And a god-awful hypocritical government. Her husband is off doing... You can't visit your vacation home up north. And, and her, her and her family go up to their vacation home up in northern Michigan. Now, what did she say? What was her excuse when caught? Not, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. Because it was a conscious decision. It was, we just went up there for a day to rake the leaves. And then, you know, we turned around the next day and came back. Well, you didn't go up there for a day to rake leaves. If you turned around the next day and came back, that's an overnight trip. And then there's the pesky reality that you, by executive decree, forbade other Michiganders from doing the exact same thing. It wasn't, your executive order wasn't, you can't travel up to northern Michigan from southern Michigan unless you're just going to do yard work for a couple of days. Then it's all good. She forbade the launching of boats, and her husband was caught trying to launch boats. And when caught trying to launch his boat or calling a marina to try and be able to, can we sneak me in and let me launch my boat? He said, well, you know, my wife is governor, which is, the by proxy way of saying, don't you know who I am? And uh, they did. And they said, we don't care. You're the one putting us out of business. Your wife is the one putting us out of business. So the idea that that would fly and that that person would be wildly popular, she may well win in Michigan. Unions are very powerful and unions are incredibly corrupt. And it really comes down to in Michigan, as it does in Pennsylvania, as it does in most of these blue states. It's about the turnout and how that turnout votes in the major city. In Pittsburgh, it's in Philadelphia. In Michigan, it's Detroit. In Maryland, it's Baltimore. It's not universal. But if there's heavy turnout, you know which way that turnout is going to go in those cities, and that bodes well for Democrats. You really have to ask yourself, what in the hell? Why would anybody in Detroit come out for Gretchen Whitmer? What has Gretchen Whitmer done for Detroit? And it's nothing. It's just the Democrats have so conditioned people in those cities, particularly the black population, to believe that somehow, magically, Republicans are worse. I don't know how they'd be worse. You got killing fields on the streets of the south side of Chicago. But Democrats easily carry the congressional districts in the south side of Chicago, the city council wards, the mayorship, everything. South, it's not like the north side is any different. The north side isn't as impacted by crime, but and they're liberals. But on the south side, where people are being murdered in, in the dozens every weekend, you go... Maybe we shouldn't vote for this party that swears they've got our best interests at heart. Sure is overseeing the wholesale murder of the people who live here. And uh, more than that, they aren't doing anything about it. You know, it's the not doing anything about it that they should have the problem with. Now, if, you know, very infrequently, is it the politicians driving around shooting people on the street? But they are the ones who are supposed to be doing something about it. They are the ones who are charged with doing something about it. 
and they don't. You'd think sooner or later people would go, well, let's try something else. I don't, I don't really support the ignoring of wholesale murder. But if people in Detroit turn out, Gretchen Whitmer will win. Because they're not going to turn out and vote for Tudor Dixon. They should. Because as Donald Trump famously put it in that city, what the hell do you have to lose? Can't get any worse. Same with the people of Philadelphia. If they turn out in heavy numbers on election day, Dr. Oz will likely lose. Frankenstein will win. Now, it's kind of funny that in Pennsylvania, you've got Frankenstein going to uh, possibly coast to victory or run to victory on the backs of black people when his major interaction with black people was pulling a shotgun on a black guy he saw jogging because he assumed black guy running, he obviously committed a crime. He is the personification of the racist mindset. Black man must be a crime. And it will be black. If he wins, it will be black people that likely carry him across the finish line. Uncle Fester, what's the appeal? I have no idea. I have no earthly idea. But that is the left-wing mentality. I want to illustrate to you the left-wing mentality by the harpies over at The View. Sunny Houston, Houston, whatever the hell it is. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago she's like, gee, I don't understand why people are calling me racist online, but it sure is mean, and I don't like being called racist. And I'm like, yeah, well, I can think of a couple of reasons why they call you racist. First and foremost among them, the fact that you're a racist is pretty big, pretty big indicator and reason as to why people would be calling you a racist because you are. Sonny, do you listen to yourself? I get it that nobody watches The View. You don't seem to watch anything related to news, but you are a, a racist, a piece of garbage rapist, racist. Well, uh, the thing that bothers Sonny in this clip is that white women, I love how she goes, white suburban Republican women might vote for Republicans. Like, well, what the hell do you expect? Do you expect Democrats, to, Republicans to vote for Democrats? Do you expect Democrats to vote for Republicans? She's so stupid. She, if she wanted to make this point in any sort of intelligent way, she would have left the word Republican out of it. But it's the view. Intelligence is not a criteria. It doesn't sell. But she is disgusted and confused by why it is that white Republican suburban women would vote for Republicans. It's very racist. It's very, well, it's the view. But what's also surprising to me is the abortion issue. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? Oh, it's like roaches voting for it. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with your Nazi Germany history, you have to otherize your uh, political opponents, your political enemies. You have to you do that. That's what the Nazis did. The film, The, uh, the Eternal Jew, uh, in it, they said the Jew, like the rat, well, they kept on comparing Jews to rats to try and desensitize the German population for the future dehumanization of the Jews, right? And the scapegoating. Well, they're just like rats. They're bad. They're spreading disease. Oh, they're just like cockroaches, these Republican voters. Hmm. 
Whatever happened to the concerns about violent rhetoric, ladies and gentlemen? What happened there? How did that come to be? What is going on in this world? Well, you have a... We talk about violent rhetoric and all the pearl clutching over Paul Pelosi. My God, that Republican rhetoric. It nearly got Paul Pelosi killed, and no human being is more important in this country than Paul Pelosi. We must hold him without bail. That's what we must do. We have to do all sorts of things to protect the Paul Pelosi life force. Okay, you know, I'm all for protecting Paul Pelosi, but when somebody gets the crap beat out of them on the streets of San Francisco who isn't Paul Pelosi, I think you should care about that just as much as Paul. Well, no, you're a hater. You might as well have wielded the hammer yourself. Well, the rhetoric right there, these Republicans, they're just like roaches. We go to the Washington Post. Now, this is an Associated Press story running on the Washington Post website. I don't know whether or not it made the print edition of the Washington Post, but I do know that uh, long after the story actually occurred, the Washington Post editors have yet to deem it important enough to assign one of their own reporters to. They simply just said, grab the wire copy, slap it up on the website. We'll call it a day. Now, what is the story? <sighs> Rally, North Carolina, Dateline. A recent shooting at the Hickory, North Carolina residence of a GOP congressional candidate, Pat Harrington's parents uh, uh, and young children, caused no injuries but placed tremendous stress on the final week of his campaign, Harrigan's mother said Thursday. That's a horrible, horrible lead, but it is essentially that a Democrat tried to kill a Republican, probably. Somebody, a Republican, somebody tried to kill a Republican. Now, Paul Pelosi, guy, crazy guy with a hammer, a long history of nudity and commune living and Black Lives Matter and everything. Well, he killed Paul Pelosi, and allegedly he once tweeted something that was uh, considered to be right-wing. Therefore, every Republican has tried to murder Paul Pelosi. Somebody tries to murder a Republican and his children, and it doesn't even warrant an actual reporter being assigned to the piece. Just grab the ad copy. Harrigan, a firearms manufacturer and U.S. Army Special Forces veteran, is running against Democrat State Senator Jeff Jackson for an open U.S. House seat in North Carolina's new 14th District, based in western Charlotte. The left-leaning district emerged from a lengthy redistricting. Now, none of this has to do with the fact that somebody tried to kill this guy and his family. And we're in the second paragraph. You had passive, no injuries, shot at the house in the opening paragraph. The second paragraph, they're giving you a history of the district that was just created. Swear to God. Then the third paragraph, same thing. Political analysts say the 2022 map favors Republicans in seven of the state's 14 districts and favors Democrats in six, with one toss-up district in the rally, uh, rally suburbs. That's the third paragraph. Now we get to the fourth paragraph. Maybe at some point they get to the information that isn't contained in, or at least implied or inferred in the headline, which reads, Shots Fired at Family Home of North Carolina U.S. House Candidate. They left the party out. If it were a Democrat, it was somebody tried to kill a Democrat, probably a Republican. It's a Republican. Like somebody shot at the House. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. 
Somebody just shot at the house. They weren't trying to hurt anybody inside. The house was giving it the eye, the stink eye. And so they took out their gun and showed that house what for. Marla Harrigan, 74, told the Associated Press on Thursday that she and her husband, James Harrigan, were watching television down the hall when a bullet shattered their laundry room window on the night of October 18th. Now, this happened weeks ago. Just just now getting reported. The children of the candidate were sleeping in there. The congressional candidate's children, ages 3 and 5, were asleep in the bedroom directly above the room where the shooting occurred, Marla Harrigan said. The bullet came from a densely wooded area and did not wake the kids. Is it possible it was just some drunk? Is it possible it was whatever? Sure, it's possible. But it's probable, it's actually a matter of fact, that the guy who tried to kill Paul Pelosi or attacked Paul Pelosi is a mentally deranged, illegal, alien, leftist, nudist. Yet he is painted as a right-winger, and it is the most important story in the history of stories. This one gets reported three weeks later by the Associated Press, Maybe in the pages of the Washington Post, but probably not just on their website. Double standards much? So you got uh, Sonny going, I don't know, it's, it's white women are voting against their own interests. Nobody knows white women's... I love how she's like, Republicans are going to vote for Republicans? What? What will they think of next? Democrats voting for Democrats? They'll vote against their own interests. Yeah, okay, let's talk about the people in the city of Detroit, the city of Baltimore, the city of Chicago, uh, murdered at an enormously high rate, disturbingly high rate. At least the normal people are disturbed by it. And therefore, you would think that the party that has presided over the murder of tens of thousands of people, you'd go, those people are voting against their own interest because they keep on electing the people who are overseeing their murder. But that's just not something that occurs to the geniuses on The View. It continues. It's, it's, I, I it's think like, that's they're voting, no, it's they're voting to the voter. Against, we, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. Do they want to the live in Gilead? Okay, do so do we love it in the hands Do we love tail? democracy or not? Because just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right for their family. And the idea that well, the you should have a say women, for everyone else's vote. The fact that women are voting against You had a different view on abortion not that long ago. and you I have that view. But that issue is right. But then why is another woman not able to have it? That white Republican suburban women but why are voting so recently against their own health care. just gotta love. I don't care. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just very surprised. Well, that just shows how insulated a worldview you have. You dumb piece of crap. Most white Republican suburban women aren't out screwing around all day long, having unprotected sex with a whole bunch of people, right? So they're not going, boy, I'm 40 years old, and the most important thing in my life is to make sure that I can have an abortion. I can't pay for my bills. I can't heat my house. I can't feed my family. can't fill my car up with gas. But if I get filled up, I want to be able to have an abortion. So there you go. Now, I don't think most people think that way, Sonny, but maybe in your world, maybe in your world I could see it. You're stupid. You would assume hang around with stupid people. I love it. And then she goes, 
Uh, she talks about how Catholics, you got to love these leftists. I'm a devout Catholic, just like Nancy Pelosi, just like Joe Biden, which means I take the teachings of the church very seriously, except in any way, shape, or form that they are applied to my life. <laughs> That's what she says. I have not really recently revolved, uh, uh, um, evolved on the issue. I am Catholic. That is my faith. I believe that abortion is wrong for me. There is a separation between state, a government, and church. And I do not have the right to tell someone else. Funny, However, is- they are voting against their own self-interest. They are voting against their own self-interest because they could go out and get pregnant. Everybody knows that Republican suburban white women just go out and whore at the sports bars and get pregnant every weekend. And nobody gets more abortions than Republican white women. In the suburbs. Huh? I'm Catholic, but I'm not like Catholic Catholic. It's my faith, but I don't live by my faith. The separation between church and state, first of all, is a letter, it is mentioned in a letter from Thomas Jefferson. It is not dogmatic. It basically, if you really want to get down to it, the federal government can't pass a religion. But the way people describe it, she's so stupid. She's supposedly a lawyer. Realistically, the church can't, that's what the separation of church and state means, the church can't make decrees that become law, right? But you are not required to check your faith at the door, churchy, as you enter government service. That's not how it works. If you elect somebody who is pro-life, you don't go then, well, then screw it, though, because that's just, I'm pro-life because I'm Catholic, therefore I'm going to vote for abortion because I don't want to bring my religion into the government. No. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. You're allowed to believe in and support whatever you want for whatever reason you want. Trust me, you can. It's it's the beauty of this country. Democrats hate this country and don't understand this country fundamentally, so they look at it and say, well, you can't be Catholic and bring your Catholicism to it or else that's a violation of church and state. No, it's not. You are who you are. Now, if you're bringing the Pope in for you, it's a different story. You say the Pope should have absolute power. That's a different story. But they're too dumb to note the difference because, well, they're Democrats. Finishes up this way with Joy uh, Behar having to chime in. What you're saying is a good example. As, as someone sitting here, that's a huge issue for me. This election, the deniers are more important for me. Everyone has a priority list. So to me, I'm voting. I will. Th- that is a full stop problem for me that I actually think election deniers being put into office it used to be just former President Donald Trump. Now it's everyone running on the Republican side. That scares me more than anything. So even you that know, women's rights is second for me. Can well, I just everyone has priority? Yes. No, you're not voting for Republicans. You're voting for a cult. Remember that. It's a cult. It's not Republican. Anymore. You're not voting it's for a cult. It's not Republicans anymore. They want to steal the bodily autonomy from women and they all go, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Now everybody go out and get your extra triple booster. Make sure you get vaccinated. You can't go to watch the view being taped unless you have been jabbed countless times. What? Why is that? How is that? Well, it's because they believe in bodily autonomy, For not for you, though. Just on abortion. They're pro-choice on abortion. Everything else, shut up and obey. And, oh, by the way, they're not really pro-choice on abortion. It is have an abortion. <laughs> That's where they have an abortion. 
bodily autonomy. Those evil Republicans, they want you to have school choice. And, oh, my God, can you believe that? What kind of a country would it be if people were free to choose other things? Now shut up and get the shot. By the way, Pfizer's new booster, they won't release the data to the public or publish it anywhere that shows its efficacy or safety. But they're showing it to the Biden administration because democracy or something like that. All right, that is enough for today, ladies and gentlemen. That is enough out of you, mister. That is all. Well, that's not enough totally and completely because I've got a contest winner to announce and then a new contest entrant. The winner this week is a newbie, Robert Freeman. Robert Check your messages. Somewhere in there you have a message from me requesting your address. Not so I might stalk you, but so I might send you the autographed Michelle Malkin book that you won. That means that Judge Janine Pirro is returning. And who is worthy of going against Judge Janine? Well, it's a special one. I'm sitting there and I'm going through these books and my boxes are so stacked up in the basement. And I can only get to certain ones. I mean, I could get to all of them, but I can only easily get to certain ones. So it's been kind of a crapshoot and what I get. And this one, it's a small book. It is a very small book. In fact, cover price on this one is only $15.99 U.S., $19.99 Canadian. Suck it, Canada. No international contestants, please. <laughs> Uh, On the back, it says, uh, he who has the gold makes the rules. On the front of it, it says that this person, I believe they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Every once in a while, we could dip into the world of celebrity. This guy is a big-time capitalist and a conservative, I suppose, on a lot of things. And I used to enjoy watching his television show. It's a very small book, like I said. How many pages is this thing? Going against Judge Janine, we just have 150 pages. And then there's like like 150 pages. It is called On Power, My Journey Through the Corridors of Power and How You Can Get Money or How You Can Get More Power. What the hell? It's Gene Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, the poobah of Kiss. That's right. And, you know, I know sometimes these... uh, Celebrity ones don't fly. Tom Brokaw, nobody wanted Tom Brokaw. But uh, Gene Simmons, I think, is a different animal. I suspect a lot of people have, uh, they grew up on Kiss, or they, uh, their family member grew up on Kiss, or somebody likes Kiss. I don't know how you can't like Kiss, man. Detroit Rock City. Who doesn't want to rock and roll all night and party every day? Well, right there, Gene Simmons, the man himself, has personally autographed this book. It comes complete with a certificate of authenticity from Premier Collectibles and the signature of Mr. Gene Simmons, Hyam something or other, I can't remember what his real name is, right there on the book itself. So you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com, enter to win. What other kind of podcast out there is offering you people, rock and roll legends like this and their autographs? Not many, I tell you. Not many. And I'd venture to say none. So check it out. Support the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate you listening. Be back tomorrow for the election preview. Have a great one.